Welcome to the State of Charge podcast, a fun weekly inspirational podcast to help keep your spiritual batteries recharged. We are your hosts, John Mann and Matt Swartz. Excited to be here with you today. And we hope that you find yourself happy, healthy, and safe wherever you are, because I'm in Southern California, John. Yeah, that's right. You're you're like this globetrotter. Last week you were in the Ukraine. Now you're in uh, Southern or South, Southern California, and then in what, two weeks you're going to be in country, Mexico. Another country all into itself, though. Just remember that. What, Southern California? Yeah, it's another country. <laughs> That's right. It's, <laughs> yeah, it certainly is that. It certainly is that, yeah. Um, so how was the trip to the U.K.? Uh, Ukraine was fantastic, man. It oh, was, Ukraine, sorry. Uh, again, yeah. So It, it has a U and a K in it. It, it does. <laughs> uh, they're training leaders and how to make multiplying disciple making movements in their churches and it looks like we're going to be back in november uh actually launching a second training center while we're there man so that's it was great. amazing it sounds amazing. like it sounds like you've got a little bit of jet lag in your throat well you know jet lag and a little bit of it's it's morning you know i i i, I, I like to call morning my sexy voice <laughs> there you go i won't go there <laughs> well, well, hey, we have a, a great uh, a great time for you guys today. As you're listening, we have a, a special guest here, Colin. Colin is with us, and he's been uh, gracious enough to offer his time as he is, is busy, like the rest of us, to kind of come in and share some things about his life. Uh, as we all know, this whole season has been on the power to overcome. You know, we've talked about fear and bitterness and anger, and um, we've talked about, um, you know, uh, temptations and just things that will keep us, keep us in bondage. And today's topic is overcoming life's tragedies. And so we're excited to have Colin here. Colin, thanks for being with us. Oh, great to be here. Thank you, guys. Yeah, you bet, man. So um, before we dive kind of into the meat of the conversation, just... Who's calling? You know what? What makes you get up every morning? What do you do for a living? Talk about your family. Talk about some of the things that you like to do for fun, and just give us a snapshot of of who Colin is. Sure. Well, first and foremost, I'm a, I'm a husband and a dad. I've uh, been married to my wife, uh, my beautiful wife Charlene. For we just celebrated our five year anniversary. Nice. Last week. So last week. Yeah. That's awesome. Congratulations. So, um, we're experts at this point. <laughs> okay. All right. I will. I will come get some advice <laughs> right. from you. Um, father to uh, uh, one baby. Uh, her name's Lucy. We'll be talking about her today. Yeah. Uh, she's twenty months. Okay. And. Um, what do I do for work? I, I mean, I could give you the, the I'm in marketing pitch. Okay. That's like saying I'm in sales. It's like, what does that yeah, mean? It doesn't even mean anything. Um, so I, I essentially help uh, businesses find and land more clients, customers, and leads online. Mm-hmm. Um, I do that primarily through just messaging and copywriting. Okay. Um, but even like that word, copywriting, doesn't really... You know, I've, I, I, there was a guy I met at a wedding, and I told him I was a copywriter. He's like, "Oh, you're a lawyer," and uh, <laughs> I, 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 I spent the rest of the evening um, trying to explain to him that no, I'm not a, a lawyer. lawyer. Um, I, I think like he had a little bit too much to drink, uh, which made it a little little interesting, a little but, harder, right? Um, but yeah, essentially, I work with you know small to mid sized businesses trying to help them craft their message, find their message, and then communicate their message to their audience so that uh, they get more customers and leads and um, and clients online. How long have you been doing that? 
Uh, for myself, I think about four years, five okay. years. So not that long. Uh, but I had a background in marketing and even doing some church communications, church marketing for, um, for a few years before that. So, wow. So you went out on your own one year after being married. What was that like? Uh, terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) You you should probably ask my wife how she felt about it. (laughs) No, she, she was actually incredibly, uh, encouraging, um, really pushed me to, um, you know, to take the leap when I was ready to take it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was interesting. It was, um, looking back, you, you hear a lot of people talk about like starting your own business and they're like, Oh, you just got to take the leap. And what, what's that term? They say like, you got to burn the boats, um, <laughs> dive in head yeah, first, dive in yeah, head first. Yeah. And uh, th- there's certainly, I think some truth to that. Like I'm an overanalyzer, so oh. I probably could have thought about it for 10 to 15 years and then, uh, you know, lost. And missed the boat. And missed, yeah, missed all the boats. But, uh, yeah, it, it was interesting. It, um, you know, it kind of, it, it was a few months before our lives really took, like, a, a big turn. Mm-hmm. Um, but looking back, uh, the timing of it, I don't think was, um, it, 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 it was incredible to see, I think the the freedom and the flexibility that came from working for myself yeah, and the timing of when I needed that most in my life, mm-hmm. um, certainly a God thing. Like I, I look at that and I have no doubt about that. That's awesome. Well, That's I mean, Matt works for himself. I work for myself. You know, you're working for yourself. There certainly is a lot of freedom there and, uh, it's it's a it's a great a great way to provide for our families. It is stressful way too. It is. <laughs> it can be. That's, it can be for sure. Yeah, you know, Matt, with uh, with you being in ministry, that that certainly comes with its stresses, doesn't it? It does for sure. And I think the one thing that uh, I think we all probably resonate with is uh, there's there's a ability though to celebrate the freedom because if, if you if you live your life working for money you realize that there's a freedom that comes with trading time for money. Mm. Right. Yeah. And that, that, that probably is the one thing that we would all resonate with is, you know what? Uh, I, there are other ways to get at that. And that I don't diminish, I spent years work and force, you know, others. Uh, and that's, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. It's noble, but there is a point sometimes for some people that are like, I, I could do this differently. And, and I realize there's risk and challenges associated with it, but, uh, worth it. Definitely yeah. worth it definitely worth it. Um, well, Colin, I remember when I asked you the first time if you'd be willing to be a guest on, on the podcast and what I said to you is like, Hey, I know that you've experienced some things in life that are probably pretty, uh, challenging and and overwhelming. Um, and just, you know, some of the trials there. And I said, but yet you come into work every single day and you've got this smile on your face (laughs) and you've got this openness to like, Hey, just let's come sit down and and have a conversation with me. And so like that just, it just invited me in to say, Hey, other people need to experience this. Sure. You know, there has been moments in your life that we'll, we'll discover here that have probably been pretty traumatic, but yet at the end of the day, you're coming in and, uh, your head's lifted high. You've got a smile on your face and I'll be the glory to God. I'm sure. Um, but that's why, that's why I wanted to ask you this. And I couldn't wait to figure out when the right timing was. And when we started this, uh, series on overcoming, 
um, tragedy was one of the topics that I want and you immediately came, Mm -hmm. came to mind. So thank you again for, I don't, I'm going to hear your story, a lot of it for the first time this morning. So I'm not pretending like I know a lot. So I just know that there's been some things that you've had to walk through. So, um, kind of walk that road with us a little bit, start us off and, you know, in, in, you know, the appropriate time in your life where, where you want to, where you want to start this journey with us this morning. Yeah. I mean, I think it would be good to, to start around the time that Charlene and I got married. Yeah. Um, we got married in, uh, June of 2016 and uh, God bless her because it took me five years to even get to the altar. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> I mentioned so did you how guys, I was analytical, right? <laughs> so did you guys date for five years then? We or? Did, well, yeah, on and off for five years. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. If She if, must really love you. Yeah. She, she might've been a good candidate for the, uh, the tragedy and trauma that I created in her life. No, I, you know, it, it was, there was, um, it was a rough and rocky road to get to that point. Hmm. Um, not because of her, but a hundred percent because of me. Hmm. Uh, just dealing with some things and uh, sorting some things out in my life that I think I had, I had allowed to um, kind of infiltrate my mind and my thoughts when it came to um, marriage. Mm-hmm. What's marriage about? What does it look like? Sure. Um, you know, kind of painting this picture that, that probably wasn't real, uh, wasn't realistic, wasn't healthy. But, um, you know, also I think looking back, I needed to deal with a lot of my own insecurities. Uh, so we, we dated on and off for five years. Uh, there were two or three breakups in there. Um, but, uh, eventually we got to the altar. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and she it, said, yes, she did. That's great. She did. Good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she did. And I did too. I, I, you know, we, we laugh because we got married you know, June in Phoenix is not, um, mm. it's not ideal <laughs> wedding mm. weather, mm-hmm. but you know, we were thinking it was going to be, you know, 103, 102. It was 117 degrees on the day we got married. Oh wow. my goodness. And we had an outdoor ceremony and reception. Mm. Uh, so that's how life started for us. <laughs> wow. So Which, you're like, all right, when I'm sweating at the altar, it's not because right. I'm nervous about getting right. married. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so we got married, um, kind of had a plan to, you know, enjoy marriage, just her and I for a couple years, mm-hmm. um, and then start our own family. Uh, something we were both very much looking forward to is just about, you know, hey, let's, let's sort out all this stuff. You know, the first year or two of marriage is not, um, it's not smooth sailing for a lot of people. So yeah. we actually, I, I feel like we got a lot of the difficult stuff out when we were dating. Mm-hmm. But then, um, you know, we just wanted to enjoy marriage for a couple of years, enjoy each other, learn and grow together. Yeah. Uh, so we got pregnant uh, about, um, yeah, about, uh, I'd say, a year and a half into marriage, wanting to kind of, you know, start that next year with, you know, our, our first baby. Yeah. So she told me, I'll never forget this. She told me she was mm. pregnant on Christmas Eve. Oh, um, oh wow. You know, still kind of look back at the video and... Uh, stirs up the emotions a little bit. Yeah. Um, wow. But we, uh, so we got pregnant and went to, I guess, just a basic anatomy scan at 20 weeks. And um, 
you know, just kind of going in thinking that, you know, everything was going to be okay and, you know, no history of anything kind of unique or um, unhealthy or, or different in our family. So, yeah. uh, you know, nieces and nephews that were born. Yeah. Uh, totally healthy. But we, we went to an anatomy scan. What prompted you to do an anatomy scan? Was I, it's it, just typical 20 okay. week. Yeah. Because that's right smack in the middle of the, of the pregnancy at 20 weeks. And it was just right something. In the middle. Yeah, something that your doctor just said, "Hey, we should do this." Or yeah, yeah, just uh, typical, like, "Hey, how's how's the baby coming along?" Yeah, uh, you know, get measurements, and so uh, we went to that um, excited, you know, getting to to see him. Yeah, um, and the, the doctors found that you know something wasn't right. They weren't sure if it was um, potentially like a Down syndrome diagnosis. They, mm-hmm. they just saw some things on the scan that didn't look normal Mm -hmm. and we went to a a high-risk ob um a perinatologist that that following week to get some more scans and um you know at this point we're just kind of pretty terrified of like what are they going to tell us Mm. i can um, imagine yeah so we uh long story short he was diagnosed at right around 20 21 weeks with a severe cardiomyopathy um, big medical term for a kind of a weak enlarged heart. Mm. Uh, and essentially what they were seeing in that scan was that he was going into heart failure already. Um, so that meant, and, and I'll never forget sitting in the, the office that day, um, with Charlene hearing the news that like we literally maybe had days left with our, our baby hmm. and that he, he was just essentially going to, his heart was going to fail. He was going to die. Um, wow. you know, as a, a first time dad, um, I had just started my business a year and a half into marriage. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, was like extremely just gut wrenching hmm. and, um, terrifying and you know all, all of these emotions i think you almost just kind of go into this place where um you kind of just like go numb hmm. you know in a way yeah so we we were dealt with this reality that like you know we're pregnant but our baby's just gonna die hmm. and as awful as that wow. sounds that's just like the the thought that you know, was in the back of our minds was we're, we're going to have to deliver a baby who's not living and, mm. um, and, and the fear and the trauma that comes with that is just like, it's indescribable. Yeah. It's indescribable. Wow. So, um, his name was Weston. He was born, uh, May 22nd that year. Mm. Um, you know, eventually we just got to the point where his heart stopped. Um, you know, Charlene woke me up one morning and, and said, I don't, I don't think Weston's moving at all. Hmm. We went and got a scan and confirmed that his heart had stopped. So hmm. we went in um, that next day. He was born the next day. Uh, and, you know, the, the, I think everybody has those days where they will just never forget yeah. every single detail mm-hmm. and emotion. And, um, you know, that, that day was incredibly bittersweet for us Hmm. just because we we felt like you know here's this gift that we were given and Mm -hmm. um and to you know to to meet and to say goodbye to your first child 
is um, wow. it's incredibly painful, hmm. incredibly painful. But um, yeah, so he was born May twenty second. Um, we got to spend some time with him. Mm-hmm. Some family got to spend some time with him, and um, and then we we were kind of just left with the trauma of that to yeah. to sort through and to deal with and yeah. One of the things as you're talking, Colin, is you know it when you're sharing the story, it's not like this happened a long time ago. This was three and a half years ago. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Twenty eighteen? Twenty seventeen? Eighteen. Yeah. yeah. You know, so this is in the, the near past. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. this isn't like, oh yeah, in nineteen eighteen, you know. Right. Uh so, you know, you're you're still experiencing some raw emotions with that, I would imagine, just because of the timing of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, that there's a lot of ways that we've um there are some ways that we've healed from that. Mm-hmm. You know, it, the, the sting is different when we think about him. Um, it's still there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think it'll ever go away. That's for sure. But yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, um, you know, we, we went to a counselor, uh, Michelle Lacey. Yeah. Uh, started seeing mm-hmm. her. Um, she was incredible. She was such a, such an asset, yeah. you know, throughout that whole process. But you know, she taught me a lot about, especially with men, how, um, you know, when we experience trauma like that, men have a tendency to, um, that, that if the trauma is not dealt with in a healthy way, that it kind of starts to come out sideways. Mm-hmm. And that can be in addiction, that can be in, you know, extramarital affairs, mm-hmm. um, you know, substance abuse. Just being totally withdrawn. Totally. Yeah. 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 So, um, I, you say that like I've, I've, um, you know, it's fresh. I think that there are still days where that trauma kind of like comes out sideways, mm. not in the ways that I just described, but through anger mm-hmm. and through impatience mm-hmm. and through, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you, you mentioned almost like shutting down, like becoming emotionally disconnected. Yeah. Um, yeah. Still have a lot of those moments. Wow. Um, but at the same time, we've, I, I think we, we had an incredible support system around us to kind of walk us through, Whoa. you know, how to deal with that. Um, support systems through, through Sun Valley, having small groups, mm-hmm. um, friends who, who were just incredibly kind and generous and um, were, were just like with us in it. You know, they didn't, they didn't feel the need to like tell us anything or say mm-hmm. anything. They just wanted to like, be present with us yeah. and be sad with us. Yeah. Um, Colin, in that time, what, what do you feel like? <clears throat> you know, I mean, you, you look for God in those times. Wh- was there a moment in there where you felt like, man, God, in the midst of wondering where you're at, I felt like you showed up in this way. Is, is there a moment there where you felt like, okay, God, as long as I know you're with me, we're going to get through this. Did you have something like that? Yeah. Definitely had a few of those moments. I would say the biggest one was actually the day that Weston was born. Mm-hmm. Um, we had actually we, we had gotten together with family the night before to to just pray. There were um, there were a lot of question marks around uh, whether or not our um, our OB was going to be able to deliver him. A woman who we built incredible trust with, mm-hmm. um, you know, she was going to be going on vacation, and yeah. we were like. You know, we were like, we can't imagine going through this without with, with someone who we don't know. Yeah. Um, so we we prayed about God's timing. We prayed about uh, 
um, you know, Weston just to, um, you know, to, to be kind of delivered into the hands of Jesus soon. So we, um, uh, that, that day, so that next day after we prayed as a family is when, when his heart stopped. Hmm. Um, I, I remember when, um, after he was born, I came out, um, and Matt, this is the long way to get, get to the answer to your question. So the, I, I came out and talked to my family. Uh, we had some family in the waiting room and, um, I just remember like bawling, just losing it. Um, and saying that God was so good and answered every single one of those prayers hmm. that we wow. had that day. Um, you know, in a, in a moment where we were like terrified and, hmm. uh, in a moment where we just had so much, like so much pain around this, this gift that's, you know, supposed to be good and enjoyable. Uh, we, we just saw, um, his faithfulness, like extreme hmm. levels of faithfulness. Every single thing that we had prayed for, uh, was answered that wow. day. You know, there's a That's lot amazing. of there's a lot of irony with that. I think people that might be listening, and including myself, is like, all right, I'm I'm sitting here with experiencing this tragedy, and yet you're telling me that the Lord was there. Mm. You know, most people would probably be thinking, no, the Lord abandoned me. Totally. My child is has died. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and yet you've put this different twist on it. Is like the Lord answered every one of our prayers in the midst of this. Um, you know, Colin, that's a pretty incredible statement that you're able to say, and, and I appreciate that. So thank you. Yeah. Uh, it, it's not to say that we didn't have moments where we questioned, sure. moments where we wrestled and struggled. Um, but I, I think I think I learned a lot through that season about uh, about looking at tragedy, looking at loss, looking at trials or, or painful things that we go through. And... I, the the quick kind of gut reaction I think for believers is to try to make sense of it all, hmm. um, you know, try to try to point to something that says like, you know, this this is what he's doing, you know, this is this is the purpose of it, and um, you know, this is why this happened to someone in their life at that time. Hmm. I, I I came to the conclusion pretty quickly that um, we just live in a really broken world. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's nothing in scripture that, that I've read that says, uh, that, that we are exempt from tragedy or yeah. loss or pain. Right. Exactly. Um, but yeah. why know, should we be so privileged? Right. Correct. Yeah, totally. Totally. So uh, yeah, I, I think that it's, um, you know, there, there's still moments where I think we question like, you know, why, but, but I, I was I was pretty quick early on and I take zero credit for this. Uh, I think it was just kind of a, um, something that I, I had been prepared for in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, but to, to know that this was not God, like placing this in our lives and saying, this is what you're going to have to deal with. Mm. Uh, you know, and, and then feeling abandoned by him mm-hmm. in those moments. I think that I came to the conclusion pretty quick that, we live in a broken world. This is just one of those things. Hmm. It's tragic and it's awful. Um, hmm. But his, his promise is not that we're going to be um, 
protected from those things. It's that he's going to be with us in those moments. Yeah. And he's going well, to be I with think, us Colin, for those if, seasons. If I could rephrase something you just said, because I, I think it's important, because basically you're saying you can spend energy looking for answers or you can spend energy looking for his presence. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I know looking for answers is human, and, and I get that. But it, that that basically is what you're saying is, yes, I, I, of course, it's human to want answers, but you spent energy looking for his presence in that. And I think that's a huge principle in tragedy. Yeah. You know, you do go to what you focus on. And if you focus on his him not being there, that's what you're going to find. Yeah. But when yeah. you focus on him being there, that's what you're also going to find, right? Sure. Yeah. 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 Sure. Good, yeah. Call, good yeah. call out, Matt. Yeah, I think Matt, just to to kind of piggyback on that, I mean, we had a lot of people who reached out and came over, and you know, even when we found out uh, the the diagnosis, we 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 learned a lot about um, how how people handle those moments differently. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. there are a lot of exactly. people who come in and want to give those answers. Mm. They want to provide yeah, meeting and answers to it. Um, of course. It, let let this be a a learning moment for people that that's not what what people need in those in those moments in life. They just need the presence of someone presence. else there. The, yeah. the, the 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 things that meant the most to us were people coming over and just sitting in our living room and like crying yeah. with, with us. us. Yeah. Um, and not saying anything. Mm. Not saying anything. That's amazing. Um, that's where we felt the most comfort and and peace. Um, we heard, you know, I think believers have, uh, some believers have a tendency to, to want to give answers and give, hmm. you know, some Shakespearean, uh, <laughs> you know, meaning statement, of, yeah. you know, that's, that's going to like heal all the wounds. And yeah. um, it actually, sometimes it makes it worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. And kind of stirs up that anger. And, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Weston. Weston was born, and you you had the funeral, and 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 life is is ticking along a little bit here. Um, talk talk through us the the couple months thereafter, and then what happens next? Yeah, so I mean, we we certainly um, kind of took a step back. I took some time away from work again. The the timing and the ability to do that. You know, you you never know if uh, if an employer is going to allow you just to take several weeks off. Mm-hmm. Um, so to be able to do that, uh, we we took a vacation as a family. Um, started going to counseling. We we actually ended up uh, getting pregnant again mm-hmm. that fall, and uh, I think Charlene miscarried about six six to eight weeks into the pregnancy. Wow. Um, so I, th- that that kind of started another chain you know stirring up those yeah. those same emotions mm-hmm. um the 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 big thing for us was um actually when we got pregnant after that with uh with lucy and um lucy's our daughter who's 20 months now she um we got pregnant with her and had our fingers crossed really just kind of like holding our breath until mm. that, that first anatomy scan yeah, to see how is she doing? How's her heart doing? Um, you know, the, the congenital heart defect community, the, basically every one in a hundred babies is diagnosed with a congenital heart defect. Hmm. So, we, we've already checked that box. <laughs> yes. The yeah. statistics are on our right, side, right? Right. <laughs> we've already checked that box. Uh, 
we, we went in for an anatomy scan for Lucy and we were actually told that um, her heart looked great and we kind of had this moment of exhale hmm. um, and we had a, an appointment set up with uh, another cardiologist that kind of walked us through when Weston was diagnosed kind of checking on him week to week mm-hmm. we went in and, and saw him at Phoenix Children's Hospital and come to find out um, her heart was not okay mm. <laughs> that there were several things that they had missed in that scan Wow! and she was diagnosed essentially with with the same, same thing same as, thing as cardiomyopathy oh wow um, with some other things a, a VSD and an ASD essentially the holes in the heart between the ventricles and the atrium so um, so this is really a blow to the gut isn't it uh, that's an understatement that's Holy another statement. I mean, even after we got a, a clear scan, and yeah. we're, we'll never forget that uh, the doctor told us, he said, um, you need to just go and enjoy this pregnancy. And we and started then a week to, later. Yeah, two, two weeks after that, we had a new scan that, oh, that told wow. us that she was not okay. Um, so we, we spent the rest of that pregnancy... Um, you know, her, her diagnosis wasn't as severe, mm-hmm. same diagnosis, a little less severe. Um, but there were other complications though, right? There were some other complications, things that, that, that can be repaired in okay. surgery. Okay. Um, but we, we literally went from about 20 weeks to, uh, she was born at 38 weeks hmm. with fingers crossed, getting scans every single week thinking, hmm. Is this when they're going to tell us that, that she's really in decline? Mm-hmm. And uh, she she made it. They actually um, they predicted from day one that if she made it to term, that she would need a heart transplant. And uh, she was born September 26th of 2019. And uh, we ended up spending the next four months in the CV ICU at Phoenix Children's Hospital. <clears throat> Um, she had, uh, she went first three days. She was doing amazing. We were like, this is a miracle. She was on room air. She didn't need any support. And then she started kind of going downhill after that. Hmm. So she had, uh, heart surgery, open heart surgery at four weeks old to repair those holes. Mm -hmm. Um, and her, what they found was that her function, the function of the heart, the squeeze of the heart was actually much better than they, they thought, mm. uh, which meant that, you know, if they got the holes patched up, that um, it was really just a matter of like, how does, how does she want to do? Mm. You know, it's up to her as far as like how her heart functions. So there's no transplant at this point. It's just a surgery to, to patch those holes. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so that was... Uh, Four weeks in, after she was born, complications followed that, where she had a what's called a chylothorax. Essentially, it's where your, your lymphatic system, which is bringing fluid back and putting it back into, um, into one of the main uh, arteries or veins. But it, it's, it's bringing fluid back and putting it back into the heart. Hmm. Um, hers was leaking like everywhere Mm -hmm. and it's a it's more common with like heart surgeries Mm -hmm. that kids will have um you know their 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 chest cavity is essentially filling up with some fluid they have a chest tube that drains that normal after like post-op kids will have 40 mls that they dump out each day she had 400 whoa 
and that number actually wow. climbed to like almost a thousand. It was like 960 mLs a day. It's almost a liter yeah. of fluid for a baby. Babies. Yeah. You know, four weeks, five weeks, six weeks. Really old. bleeding to death. Yeah. She, um, she's, she's, yeah, she was, um, she was pretty sick, pretty sick. We had a consultation with a, um, a hospital in Philadelphia that, uh, is, is they've kind of become the experts at these lymphatic issues. Um, how to repair them, how to treat them. And they just looked at the scans and they said, yeah, this doesn't look good. Mm-hmm. Um, and to hear that, I'll never forget that. It was, it was a Friday in November and it was like another blow to the gut because essentially we heard the doctor say 40 to 50% of these kids don't survive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still have that, I still have that call with that hospital recorded on my phone. Really? And I've yet to be able listen to actually to go back and listen to it. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, it was, it was, that was rough. Um, so we just felt helpless, completely helpless. Yeah. Um, felt abandoned to be completely honest. Like, yeah. God, what, like, where are you in this? Hmm. Where are you in this? Like, are, are you really going to allow another baby to be taken from us? Hmm. And that next day, so that was on a Friday, that, that next weekend, um, you know, they're measuring the fluid that's, that's coming out every single day. That next weekend, she, um, her numbers went from like 960 to 700 and something. And then it was 500 and then it was 400. Hmm. And the doctors had told us it could take months for her to, to like her body to figure it out and resolve itself literally that next weekend it's it, the numbers went down down every day down every day every day wow. so I, I, I have this chart on my phone that we were tracking it thinking like one of these days it's going to start Starts trending spike. in the right direction yeah and uh and other than like a slight medication change we didn't do anything different um and we we look at that and think that that that's just god's provision healing in um in a moment where i think we needed it really badly and she needed it really badly too yeah yeah so um that was kind of a turning point for us we ended up getting that was in november we ended up getting home um in late january uh after kind of getting past that she had a couple other surgeries um just for to repair some stuff that was damaged in her bowels from her her heart function but we got home in, in late January, and um, glory be to God, she's been doing pretty well ever since. That's um, awesome. Yeah, we, uh, we we look back and think about the the original diagnosis that that she got of needing a heart transplant, hmm. and here she is. You know, she's she's sneaking up on her second birthday, <laughs> and uh, she's she's a stitch. She um, she's like walking that. around and talking and wow. Um, yeah, if you guys have a couple hours, I'll show you some pictures on the phone. <laughs> I was just thinking, that. you know, that's the one thing I don't like about podcasts is you're not seeing facial expressions and you're not yeah. seeing, you know, we don't have a, a screen up where we can see this beautiful little girl with yeah. her amazing smile and yeah. things like that. We can we can imagine those things, though. So, yeah. you know, in the midst of overcoming tragedy, um, what what advice would you give to Matt and I and and to our listeners that... You know, because we're not exempt. 
we are going to experience some trials and, exactly. and some of us are going to experience some deeper tragedies than others. Um, but we, we do have a God that loves us and wants to carry us through. So what, what word of advice would you give to people in, in overcoming tragedies that come into life? That's a good question. In a, in a way, I feel like I, I might be the, you know, I don't feel equipped to answer that. Um, here, here's what I've learned in the past, you know, three, four years. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a couple things. A, we're, we're not exempt from that. Mm-hmm. We're not exempt from those things. Um, so it, it, if, if tragedies do come up, I, I think that that's important to have that perspective and keep that in mind. Hmm. Um, otherwise I think you could kind of just do a deep dive into questioning and, um, and struggling far more than we really need to, to find meeting and to find answers. Um, one of the things that was really important for us as a married couple, um, was to, uh, to learn and to respect how we grieve. So mm. how the other person grieves, um, you know, mm. people who do experience tragedy, sometimes they're going to do that feeling alone. Sometimes they're going to do that. Uh, if, if they're married, sometimes they're going to do that just with friends and family around them. Mm. Um, I, I think that Charlene and I being able to go through that together, um, I learned the importance of uh, being real and authentic and, mm. and not allowing mm. those feelings to be stuffed down, mm-hmm. um, but to find outlets to talk about it and to grieve and to cry and weep and do whatever you need to do to, um, to process that. Mm-hmm. Counseling was huge for us. Um, having a, a community of people around us to, um, to grieve with us, but also, um, just to, to give us a hug and drop off dinner and yeah. do simple things. That I think I, I really underestimated a long time ago. Um, yeah, Colin, I think you just said something so powerful because I think in, in tragedy and in grieving, if I, if, if my need is for you to be okay, so that I'm okay, that, that can become so unhealthy, right? Like yeah. my, my being okay and healthy and, and grieving is dependent on you. It, it just, it totally allows us to miss out on God. I need the trust that even if they and I grieve differently, that you're going to be in our grieving process. Right. And, and that God, I got to trust in you, not in them to be okay. So I'm okay. Right. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. Yeah. And I, I think that, you can start to tell the difference between people who um, people who are doing it to just be with you in it, and people who who want to say something or make it okay so that they they feel better about it. Yeah, and right. um, yeah, that's that's a great point, Matt. You know, I think uh, Colin just kind of rehashing our conversation this morning. There was a couple things that that you said that you know. I think that you you do know what what helped you out, and one of those things was as as Matt kind of pointed out is is not focusing on God's absence, but focusing on God's presence. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's a that's a big lesson and a big takeaway for all of us because we are gonna 
our, our whole podcast on, um, you know, staying spiritually charged is we've discovered that you're going to spend energy somewhere. Then you're going to spend yep, energy right. on things that are going to deplete you. Yeah. Or you're going to spend energy on things that revitalize you. Yeah. And choosing to focus on God's presence in the midst of tragedy, um, from from what I can understand in your story, is this that was um, that was that was a moment that that helped get you through and carry you through, you know. And so I think that that's probably a, a really big takeaway from us. And then the notion that, you know, we do live in a crazy, you know, messed up world, and we are going to fall victim. Every person, every human is going to fall victim to living in a fallen world. And, um, what is our mindset towards that? Uh, and it's not God out to get us, but just maybe it's God out, God out to help us walk through it and to show himself to us in a different way than nobody else might be able to see. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I think about the moments where I I needed him the most, we needed him the most. He showed up Hmm. in in incredible ways. He showed up. Um, it's not to say that I didn't need him or, or feel his presence those other days, but you know, when, when we needed his presence and the answers to those prayers the most, uh, he showed up. Yeah. He showed up. The other thing too, I think for all of us is when, when, not if, when you go through a time in life that is more tragic than, than other times is. Find that circle of people that are just going to sit there and cry with you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Not try to tell you why it happened. Not try to give you answers. Not right. try to, you know, you know, be busy or whatever. But just to just sit there and actually experience that as if they hadn't had themselves. Right. It, it, yeah. And John, I think part of that is to be willing to just be in the uncomfortable. God, God's not on trial. We don't need to be a spokesperson to that person in the moment. We we just need to lean into the uncomfortable of, of presence because I think that's the that's the thing I'm hearing in the story is that the people, Colin, that were willing to come to you guys and just lean into the uncomfortable that was meaningful to you. Um, not not somebody that felt like they have to be the spokesperson for God. Yeah, yeah, it's a great way of putting it. Yeah, we we had. Um some some people say some pretty stupid things sometimes <laughs> I, well, wish I, there, I, <laughs> I wish there was a, a, a kinder way to put that um, oh gosh but, but that, that's a whole other episode right <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I, I think you're right man i think um w- the willingness to sit in the in the uncomfortable space with us and and be uncomfortable themselves you know nobody wants to sit around a couple that's weeping and and yeah. crying about their their baby who they'll never see again um but man do they need just people to be there with them huh. uh crying with them too and uh yeah the fewer the words the better sometimes the other thing too yeah. is god is never going to waste um a situation uh, or lesson in life and while while it was tragic yes um Throughout the rest of your life, you know how many times you're going to use this story to walk somebody else through a situation like that? It's not an opportunity that's wasted. No, no. In fact, we've, we've when even going through it with Weston, we prayed for his life to matter hmm. and, and his days to count. Wow. And um, we, we, we just, on Saturday, we were able to go over to another couple's house who 
got a, a heart diagnosis mm. that their baby is going to be going straight to Phoenix Children's Hospital. She's wow. going to have surgery week one. Mm. And uh, we, we were just able to go over and bring some food and bring a bunch of stuff that we got for them because you don't know, like if you're going to live in the hospital, you have no idea what that means or what yeah. that looks like. So we were able to just go and, and sit in that with them mm. and talk to them and answer questions yeah. and um, show them a baby that had gone through that. Yeah. You know, Lucy came over too, and it, yeah, th- give those, some hope. Give a little bit of hope. I mean, we we certainly know that that's not the first. It's not going to be the last time we're able to do that. And um, but yeah, allowing that to be used moving forward um, is something. You know, a, another prayer that's been answered. Um, we've had a, a, a few opportunities like that, yeah. and uh, it's just it, it's a blessing for us. That's great. Yeah. You know, there's a verse here that I wanted to read. Uh, it's John sixteen thirty three, and this is Jesus speaking. And it says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. You know, it's interesting there that he doesn't say, you may have trouble. <laughs> yeah. Right. He's very specific and proactive with uh, the words that he uses. Yeah. You will have trouble. Because we live in this, in this world, right? Yeah. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, our, our Lord and Savior has overcome this world. And hopefully that gives us a, a sense of peace because that's what he wants in our lives. Yeah. Amen. Well, Colin, man, awesome. I appreciate your time this morning with us um, and uh, your encouragement to all of us. And let's just focus on the presence of the Lord in the midst of, you know, circumstances that are challenging instead of trying to find where he has uh, neglected us. Let's find where he's carrying us through with peace. So, um, well, this concludes Matt season three, season two, season three, that's season right. three. Oh yeah. Yeah. So we will be taking, um, a week or two break as we regather some thoughts and figure out what season four is going to be. Um, but man, this was a really good season for me. The this power great, to overcome. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Colin, thanks again, brother. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. All right, Matt, have a great time in Southern California, and we will see you soon.